Okay, praise the Lord. Oh, oh, we're gonna we're gonna look at Ezekiel here a couple of couple of chapters that, uh, that uh, you'll you'll probably recall some familiar things in there. But before I get to that, uh, let's just let's just show you where Ezekiel was here just a moment. Again, it's it's kind of interesting to to look at the structure of your Bible because it's just a miracle. I mean, to me, the Bible itself is evidence about God. I mean, it's just like, how do they keep all this stuff together? I mean, as clumsy as people are, people could not put this stuff together that way. They couldn't. People wouldn't agree. and they, Well, the people are trying to tear it all up today, but as you notice, it's still the number one bestseller, <clears throat> even though it can be the least read. But anyway, of course, Genesis here, and then uh, remember Genesis, the beginning, and then it's basically by the 10th chapter, 11th chapter, it's Abraham, okay? By the 6th chapter is the flood. The first chapter is creation, whatever. Anyway, Jesus references the beginning several times, and he says, talks about Adam and Eve. Paul talks about all mankind came from Adam and Eve. So somebody's dead wrong when they say, well, it's really millions and billions of years old. Somebody's wrong, and obviously the Bible would be, the people in the Bible would be all frauds, but it's not. We can find out these things are so. But anyway, coming on down here, here's the Exodus. They come out of from under Pharaoh, and then here's the only section we have about the law. Build a temple, build a tabernacle this way, the holies of holies. You have the Levites, the high priest, and all their structure and whatever. But even inside that, there's the stories about uh, Balaam. There also is the story about the ten spies, the twelve spies, and all that in the forty years. Remember, they were they wandered in the wilderness for forty years because of their own fault. God brought them to the promised land, and they said, Oh, no, we can't go in there. There's giants in there. Oh. And God had knocked Pharaoh off his block. But yet they go over there, and they go, We can't take it. We can't do that. But, of course, Joshua did. Joshua takes them in there. And then the, king, the, the nation of Israel basically went down to nothing. And then... Uh, <clears throat> That's where you have the judges come in and Samson and uh, Gideon and whatever. Then that little book called Ruth. And I, I want to point out something about Ruth. I was just yesterday, I saw a, uh, a 20th century Fox movie made in 1960. I think it was 59. And it was called Ruth. And I thought, I'll watch this. So I turned that thing on. I was eating my sandwich. And they started out. It was you picked up on it. This is like the time of uh, the Ten Commandments with Moses that the movie they came out was long ago. But anyway, this was real interesting. It was Ruth, and she was a little child, and all these little girls were set up for to be human sacrifice to Kamosh, which is in the Bible. So that's where they got this from. And they were all these little girls were wanting to be sacrificed, and and I thought, oh wow! So they were getting all this information from. The historical about the Moabites. But anyway, Ruth didn't get sacrificed because she had something wrong with her arm. And they were like, oh, she's unclean, whatever. But anyway, but the point is, there was human sacrifice ta being taken place back then. And anyway, of course, uh, we're not too sure about those events, about being that being Ruth. But they did that for just the movie. But anyway, uh, the point was, that stuff was taking place. And Ruth was in the land of the Moabites, and she was with Naomi, which was her mother-in-law. And then they uh, went back to uh, the land of Israel, and she married Boaz, I think it was. But anyway, and she's grandmother of King David. So anyway, First and Second Samuels, you start finding out the kingdom of Israel takes off. 
Now, during this section of these kings, it, it runs from 1 Samuel all the way through uh, 2 Chronicles. Okay, whoops, I passed it. Oh, all the way through 2 Chronicles here. This is the only section that we have historical what's going on. This is, David, this is King Saul, King David, Solomon, and all of them all the way down until Nebuchadnezzar took them over. Okay, now, during this time frame... Here's these prophets down here. Of course, there was Ezra. He was a high priest. He's speaking. This is after they went under Nebuchadnezzar, which follows this. That's the reason they were on their way back. Nehemiah, uh, he approached the king of Persia, and the king of Persia says, Yeah, y'all go back to Israel. The prophets had said, You're going to be slaves for 75 years, 70 years, I think is what it was, and then you're going to come back. And they rebuilt Jerusalem. Now, you see the book of Job here, a standalone book here. Oh, uh, Anyway, the book of Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes just simply means the preacher. That's what that, see, notice that uh, Solomon wrote that. So that was during the time of when he was in 1 Kings. Okay, now, uh, you've got Song of Solomon, which is really good too. But then here you are, you have these prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. Lamentation, the word lamentation, lament, that's because they went underneath Nebuchadnezzar. The whole nation was taken off. Okay, but now we know why. Now, you have Isaiah, he was warning them. He lived during the time of Hezekiah. Jeremiah, was the, he was a contemporary of this guy too. Lamentations is like, well, it's over with. I told you you were going to lose your kingdom. You lost it. You're in trouble now. And we read some great things about Jeremiah, how God took care of Jeremiah during those times. Ezekiel was during that time frame. Daniel, he was in the lion's den. He was underneath Nebuchadnezzar. Remember, he interpreted the dream. So were these other guys. They were all in this time frame. Now, we're going to look at Ezekiel just a moment. Just two chapters. So now, just remember, I mentioned about Ruth being a Moabitess and supposing maybe that movie was true, we'll say. And, uh, and uh, but anyway, uh, if she was going to be designated to be sacrificed, then it'll make a lot of sense when we look at Ezekiel right here because he's going to explain that's what was going on. So we're going to go to Ezekiel 36 and we'll start reading here. Now, <clears throat> The Lord says, Son of dust, prophesy to Israel's mountains. Tell them, listen to this message from the Lord. Now, let me, let me make one more point before I get here. This will even give us the times and dates even further. Uh, in mid-February, in the twelfth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity. Notice captivity. He was the very last king. Well, Zedekiah was. Uh, Zedekiah was left. He was placed as a placement king in Jerusalem after Nebuchadnezzar already attacked. Then Zedekiah got big-headed and said, I ain't going to pay him his taxes. Boy, Nebuchadnezzar came roaring back, and he took care of Zedekiah. That was in, but before Zedekiah, there was King Jehoiachin. And anyway, Nebuchadnezzar took him back to Babylon, threw him in jail. So he was in jail. So in the twelfth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, this message came from the Lord. So this was twelve years after Nebuchadnezzar had already stormed Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar is going to do it one more time. But anyway, uh, so here we are. So this is when this was, was taking place. And he says, hey, tell the, tell the Israelis mountains. This is chapter 36, Ezekiel. Tell them, listen to this message from the Lord. Your enemies have sneered at you and claimed your ancient heights as theirs. Now remember, they're already in captivity. They're all slaves already. They have destroyed you on every side, sent you away as slaves to many lands. You are mocked and slandered. Therefore, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. He says to the hills and mountains, dales 
and valleys. Oh. And the ruined farms and the long desert cities destroyed, mocked by heathen nations around you. My anger is a fire against these nations, especially Edom. For my land, for my grab, excuse me, for grabbing my land with relish and utter contempt for me to take it for themselves. Therefore prophesy to the hills and mountains and dales and valleys of Israel. The Lord God says, I am full of fury because you suffered shame uh, before the surrounding nations. Now remember, they got in trouble because they were worshiping idols. But now watch closely what has happened here. Stay with me on this. Therefore I have sworn with hand held high that those nations are going to have their turn being covered with shame. But for Israel, good times will return. Now in just a moment, you're going to see you in here. And he's going to list all these good things and you're going to look at your clock and you're going to go, that's got to be now. Yeah, that's the reason we got these praise reports all the time. And if things are not looking good for you, you need to be praying because this stuff belongs to us. So he says, see, I am for you and I will come and help you as you prepare the ground and sow your, I guess crops. Yeah, sow your crops. I will greatly increase your population throughout all Israel. The ruined cities will be rebuilt and filled with people. Now, this is not in heaven. This actually, remember, this is in the 12th year of Jehoiakim's captivity. Sometime in that time frame, they're still prisoners. 70 years is going to pass by. But guess what? Their nation has been destroyed. And those that are listening to Ezekiel are like, yeah, right. We're going back to Jerusalem. Oh, yeah, right. Well, they did under Ezra and Nehemiah. They got it all back. But you'll see some prophetical things here about Jesus showing up here in a moment. But watch how much blessing is in here. So anyway, he says, not only you, but the flocks and herds will greatly multiply. Well, that's that happened to Jacob in the book of Genesis. O mountains of Israel, again, you will be filled with homes. I will do, look at this. I will do even more for you than I did before. Then you will know I'm the Lord. My people will walk upon you once again, and you will belong to them again, and you will no longer be a place. Look at this. Here's the disaster they were doing. Burning their children on idle altars. I'm telling you, Israel had gotten so far gone, and just in that movie I was watching about Ruth, every, it was like... That was, I watched the beginning of that movie. This supposedly it was Ruth. This man brought in his little girl, and he was acting like, "I don't want to give her up, but I have to." And, and the high priest guy, haughty fella, he goes, he looks her over, looks like she's a good lad, whatever, and gives her gives him some money, and she's like crying for her daddy, and he walks out the door, and she runs after him, you know, and the high priest says, "Well, you're mine now," and then she's like brainwashed, and. She of about 10, this is the way the movie was portrayed, about all these five-year-old girls were like wanting to die for Kamosh, wanting to be sacrificed. Well, if it was that way or not, it doesn't matter. It was still human sacrifice taking place. But that is so stupid. But now, take a moment and think a minute. Why doesn't our God want us to do that? I mean, why not? That's the difference between Jesus and Hinduism and the Muslims and everybody else. Our God wants to bless you. I don't care what your sins are. Jesus forgives you, praise the Lord. He will help you. Some people think this is just right. You gotta, I mean, the Lord's not going to bless me financially unless I hurt. I'll have to have a car wreck out here. If I have a car wreck, then maybe God will bless me. No, oh, no, no, no. Uh-uh. So anyway, the Lord says in chapter, verse 13, chapter 36... 
Now the other nations taunt you, saying Israel is a land that devours the people. But they will not say this anymore. Your birth rate will rise. Your infant mortality rate will drop off sharply. Moses even told the Israelites that I'm the God that healeth thee, and there will none cast your young. What a blessing we have. But anyway, no longer will those nations, uh, heathen nations, sneer at you. No longer will they be a nation of sinners, the Lord says. Then this further word came to me from the Lord. Son of dust, when the people of Israel were living in their own country, they defiled it with their evil deeds to me, with their worship as as foul as filthy rags. Why? Because they were worshiping idols. Look what else he says. They polluted the land with murders, the offering their kids, and the worshiping of idols. So I poured out my fury upon them, and I exiled them to many lands. That's how I punished them for the evil way they live. But when they were scattered out among the nations, then they were, uh, uh, then they were a blight upon my holy name, because the nation says, these are the people of God, and he couldn't protect them from harm. Now let's see where we're going with this. The Lord realizes that Israel's gone. They're scattered. It's because they didn't worship Him. They were worshiping idols. But now look what God's saying. All right? Now the other nations are saying, yeah, God couldn't protect them. Well, i tell you what. God knows how to deal with His own. Watch this. Therefore, say to the people of Israel, the Lord God says, I am bringing them back again, but not because you deserve it. See, how many times we think, well, God won't heal me. Well, oh, because we deserve it? Well, he's fixing to bless their socks off and he's telling them right up front, just like Moses did. Moses said this before they went to the promised land, before they got there, before Moses died in Deuteronomy. He says, don't get the idea that y'all are some sort of hot rods. It's the mercy of the Lord. That's the reason David wrote all those Psalms and he says, the mercy of the Lord, thy loving kindness is better than life. He said, listen, I'm bringing you back again, but not because you deserve it. I'm doing it to protect my holy name, which you tarnished among the nations. I will honor my great name that you defiled, and the people of this world will know I'm the Lord. Now, it's almost like today in America, we don't want to put God on the spot. And God's, we just, we say safely and politically correct, faith. It's faith. No, we don't want to mention the word Jesus. We just want to mention faith. I tell you, Jesus wants to show out. Just like that picture, I stand at the door and knock. That's every one of our lives. He's standing at our door. And that's not even written to sinners. That's written to a church. Jesus is talking. He's actually talking to individuals. If any man will open the door, I will. He is going to show out. Think about it. He says, the Holy Spirit will come on you and you shall be my witnesses. Now, he's not talking about, sir, do you know about Jesus? That takes care of itself. You're going to witness because, oh, man, I saw the evidence. You will know the evidence, and that's what your witness is about. Sometimes we think Jesus wants us to go tell that guy on the back corner over there, tell him about Jesus, and we're scared. And we think, oh, I guess the Holy Spirit's going to make me bold. Bold? You're going to be bold because you can't help but tell that person what Jesus has done for you. So he says, all the people of the world will know I am the Lord. I will be honored before their eyes by delivering you from exile among them. Boy, this happened. I mean, that king sent, the king, Darius sent out a message in Nehemiah chapter 1, Ezra chapter 1. You can read those stories. And he says, take off. I make a decree that you guys can all go back. Wow. That happened just shortly after this, I guess 50 years later. I will be honored before their eyes by delivering you from exile among you. For I will bring you back home again to the land of Israel. 
Then it'll be as though I had sprinkled clean water on you and you'll be clean. Your filthiness will be washed away. Your idol worship gone. I'll give you a new heart. Here's that verse we've heard. I know I've heard it as a Baptist. I'll give you a new heart and I'll give you new and right desires and put a new spirit within you. And I'll take out your old stony heart of sin and give you hearts of love. Well, we know that's New Testament. Well, then I'm going to take all these other blessings that go above and below it too because they belong to us. You'd look at the the land of Israel today. It's all over the news, of course, Netanyahu and their whole territory and whatever. And all these things are taking place. But not only for them, but these are ours. You'll live in Israel, the land which I gave your fathers long ago. You shall be my people. I'll be your God. Hello, that's us. I'll cleanse away your sins. Hello, that's us. I will abolish, look at this, I will abolish crop failures and famine. I remember I had a garden out here outside the church. I had so much, I finally thought, I took my lawnmower to it. I had to mow it down. I was tired. I had too many green beans. Anyway, he says, uh, I will abolish crop failures and famine, and I will give you huge harvest from your fruit trees and fields. Yeah, but Richard, I have a job. Well, that's the reason he says it this way too. He said, that's the same thing as your job. Look at this. And never again will the surrounding nations be able to scoff at you, your land for famines. You'll, you'll remember your past sins and loathe yourself for the evil you did. But always remember this. Look at this. It's not for your own sake that I will do this, but for mine. So it's not on our merit. By grace are you saved. Praise the Lord. Oh, my people Israel, be utterly ashamed of all you have done. The Lord God says, when I cleanse you from your sins and bring you to your home again to Israel and rebuild the ruins, acreage will be cultivated again. Uh, That through the years, excuse me, again, that through the years uh, of exile lay empty and barren wilderness. All who passed by were shocked to see the extent of your land and ruin, or anyway, the ruin of your land. But when I bring you back, they will say, this God forsaken land, look at this, has become like Eden's garden. Hallelujah. The ruined cities are rebuilt and walled and filled with people. Then the nations all around, all those that are still left, will know I am the Lord that rebuilt the ruins uh, and uh, planted lush crops in the wilderness. For I, the Lord, have promised it. I will do it. Well, let's let him do it. Now, look at this. This is great. This is exactly what Jesus has said. The Lord said, I'm ready. Now, this was at this time. I'm ready to hear Israel's prayers for these blessings. Boy, I wish it was the Lord's timing. Man, this was written 2,000, almost 3,000 years ago. He'd been ready for 3,000 years. And grant them their request. Well, that's what Jesus said. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, I'll give it to you. Let them but ask, and I will multiply them like the flocks that fill Jerusalem streets at time of sacrifice. The ruined cities will be crowded once more. Everyone will know that I am the Lord. Now, why did he say he'd do it? He said, I'm doing it for my sake, not yours. Now, that puts us in 36. Now, watch this. The power of the Lord was upon me. I was carried away by the Spirit to a valley full of old dry bones. Remember this story? The Valley of Bones. Okay, watch this. And he said to me, son of dust, can these bones live again? I replied, Lord, only you know the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would say. Then he said to me, speak to the bones, O dry bones. Listen to the word of God. Uh, says, see, I'm going to make you live and breathe again. I will replace the flesh and muscles on you, cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you'll live and know I'm the Lord. 
So I spoke these words from God just as he told me, and suddenly there was a rattle of noise. You may have seen, they, they've had some great cartoons years ago based on this scripture, whatever. The leg bone connected to the knee bone, whatever, all of, that's where it's all come from. Anyway, there was a rattling noise across the valley, and the bones of each body came together and attached to each other as they used to be. Then I watched, and the muscles and the flesh formed over the bones, and the skin covered them. Now, this was a vision he saw. Now, he says, but the bodies had no breath. And he told me to call the wind and say, the Lord God says, come from the four winds. O spirit, breathe on the slain bodies that they may live. So I spoke to the winds as he commanded me and the bodies began breathing. They lived and stood up a very great army. Now he told me what the vision meant. These bones, he said, represent the people of Israel. They say we have become a heap of dried out bones. All hope is gone. But tell them, the Lord God says, my people, I will open up your graves of exile Cause you to rise again and return to the land of Israel. He did this 70 years. Then at last, oh my people, you'll know that I'm the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and return to your home again to your own land. Remember, this was Ezra and Nehemiah. Right after 1st and 2nd Kings and 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, they were back again. Okay. And uh, you'll be at your own home again. You'll know that I am the Lord have done just what I promised to you. Oh, watch this. See if this doesn't make a connection with you and I with Jesus. Again, the message of the Lord came to me and said, take a stick, carve on it these sayings. This stick represents Judah and her allied tribes. Remember, Israel was broken up into two groups. Take another stick, carve these words in it. This stick represents the other tribes of Israel. There was 12 in all. Okay. Now hold them together in your hand. Two sticks, two pool, two pool cues, you could say, okay? Hold them together in your hands as one stick. Tell the people holding the sticks as they can see what you're doing. The Lord God says, I will take the tribes of Israel and join them to Judah and make them one stick in my, uh, uh, I get the next verse, in my hand. This is Ezekiel 30, uh, 37. Uh, verse 21, for the Lord God says, I'm gathering the people of Israel from among the nations, bringing them home from around the world to their own land to unify them in one nation. One king shall be king of them all. Wonder what king he's talking about. Keep reading. We'll see. <clears throat> That's why I was saying Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, Isaiah, they would prophesy also about somebody. It's the Messiah. And they didn't know what they were talking about. They didn't know who he was at the time, but they're referencing Jesus. They'll, uh, let's see, where do we, where do we go? Oh, he, are there, oh, yeah, okay. One king shall be king of them all. No longer shall they be divided in two nations. They'll stop polluting themselves with idols and their other sins, for I will save them from all this foulness. Then they shall truly be my people, and I will be their God. Well, that's us. And here it is. And David, my servant, now David's dead and gone. What's this? The Messiah shall be their king. Their only shepherd, and they'll obey my laws and their wishes, and my wishes. And they'll live in the land of Israel where their fathers lived, the land I gave to my servant Jacob. They and their children after them shall live and their grandchildren for all generations. My servant David, their Messiah, shall be their prince forever. And I'll make a covenant of peace with them, an everlasting pact. I will bless them and multiply them and put my temple among them. And I will make... Um, and I'll make my home among them. Like he said, I will come. I will dine with them. He was me. Okay. And uh, I will be their God. They shall be my people. 
and when my temple remains among, excuse me, and when my temple remains among them forever, then all the nations will know I'm the Lord, for you have chosen Israel as my very own. Now, none of this was taking place when Ezekiel was saying this. I mean, they, this was in when? This was in, uh, oh, yeah, back up a little further. We saw this in Ezekiel 32.1. This was in mid-February, the 12th year of Jehoiakim's captivity. Hmm. Let's go look at Jehoiakim's captivity just a moment. We can find this. You can see him at the end of the historical parts, which are Samuel, 1st and 2nd, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. It's also, he's also in 2nd Chronicles, 2nd Chronicles, the very last chapter. You can see him right here, but we're actually going to look at him there's a little bit more details in uh, Second Kings here. So let's go to Second Kings and let's watch what happens to this guy. Okay, so this is uh, the time frame when Ezekiel said this. He said, during the reign of Jehoiakim, now that's not Jehoiakim, okay, this is, there's, it was a different name, another guy. Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon attacked Jerusalem. Jehoiakim surrendered and paid his tribute for three years, then rebelled. And the Lord sent a band of Chaldeans, Syrians, Moabites and Ammonites against Judah in order to destroy the nation, just as the Lord had warned through his prophets that he would. It's clear now that these disasters befell Judah uh, at the direct command of the Lord. He had decided to wipe out Judah. And I remember why. It's because of they were worshiping uh, idols. Okay. Uh, uh, let's see. Because of the many sins of Manasseh. Now, Manasseh did throw his kids to the fire. Okay, but anyway... He had filled Jerusalem with blood, and the Lord would not pardon it. Now, what was that blood? All these kids were thrown to the fire. Now, the rest of the history of Jehoiakim is written in the annals of the kings of Judah. When he died, his son Jehoiachin, okay, that's the one we're looking at, uh, became the new king. The Egyptian pharaoh <clears throat> never returned uh, after that. For the king of Babylon, uh, he actually occupied the whole place. Now, the new king, now here, this is the one that uh, Ezekiel was referencing. Now, look what happened. He started at 18 years old. He only lasted three months. Then what happened? Here's what happened to him. Captivity. He's hauled off. To, he's hauled off. During his reign, the armies of Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon besieged the city of Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar arrived during the siege and they took him and his officials. The queen mother surrendered to him. Their, their surrender was accepted. Jehoiakim was uh, imprisoned in Babylon during the 8th year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. Now, Ezekiel said during the 12th year of this guy's captivity. So you can do the math. Guess what else was going on here? This is when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all this stuff was happening right at this time. They were just taking captivity. Now, look at what you, little notes you see here. And remember what Ezekiel said. Things are going to turn around. It's not going to last long. We're all coming back. So look what happened to this. And when Nebuchadnezzar took Jehoiakim, his wives, his officials, the queen, the queen mother to Babylon, he took 7,000 of the best troops, the craftsmen. See, this is where Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were. Anyway, then uh, Babylon appointed Jehoiakim's great uncle, Matan, changed his name to Zedekiah. Okay, so Zedekiah became really, but watch this. Uh, let me skip ahead just a moment. We've got to go to the next chapter. Oh, uh, the very last chapter here, uh, we'll look down here, Zedekiah rebels, we've already studied this, oh, uh, anyway, Zedekiah loses his life, but then they pick up, and, and notice this, 
Now, remember what Ezekiel said. Now, this it's starting to happen. Jehoiakim was released from prison on the 27th day of the last month of his 37th year of his captivity. Hello, Ezekiel. God said, I see you out there. I know everybody's laughing at y'all, but I'm going to bring every one of y'all back. And look what happened to this guy. This occurred during the first year of the reign of Evil Merodach of Babylon. That didn't necessarily mean he was evil. That's just his name. Like evil Knievel, whatever. He treated Jehoiakim, look at this, kindly gave him preferential retreatment over all the other kings who were being held as prisoner in Babylon. Jehoiakim was given civilian clothing to replace his prison garb for as long as he... Uh, hang on a second. For as long as he lived, he ate. Now, he's a prisoner. He ate at the king's table. The king also gave him a daily cash allowance. Oh, my goodness. Don't you think one of Jehoiakim's guys says, you know, Ezekiel said this was going to happen. Remember, they all knew why they blew it. They all knew they were losing everything. Now, all those wonderful things that we heard were going to happen. And God's saying, I'm ready to bless you. I'm ready to answer your prayers. Oh, I sure wish all these things would happen to me. Look what we have in Ephesians chapter 1. All we need is three verses here. wonder if that's for us today. Dear Christian friends at Ephesus. In other words, this was everybody in the church. Ever loyal to the Lord. This is Paul writing to you. May His blessings and peace be yours. Was that a lie? Or is that just a statement to fill up the pages? No. Sent to you from God the Father. Now, if that's not enough, look at verse 3. How we praise our God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every blessing in heaven because we belong to Christ. He gave us all those blessings. They're all ours. We can't help but win. Praise the Lord. We just can't. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now, I'm going to stop here. Praise the Lord. But i got something else I want us to do. Whew, that was